CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. In the month of April, the Startup Women podcast will be taking a deep dive into rural entrepreneurship across Canada. What unique challenges do rural founders face? Are there advantages of starting up in a rural ecosystem? What specific support does this community need? To facilitate these important discussions, we could not be more excited to welcome Mary Doyle, founder of Rural On Purpose, part of the Startup Canada Communities Network, as our guest host. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Kayla. I'm so excited that Rural on Purpose is formally partnering with Startup Canada to help empower and champion rural founders across the country. This month on the Startup Women podcast, we'll connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations in Canada's rural startup space, giving you a firsthand look into the rural entrepreneurship landscape and helping rural founders make their vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Mary Doyle, founder of Rural On Purpose. Welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have Angela Groenveld on our show today. As one of the leading business and disaster recovery consultants in Canada, Angela Groenveld credits her inner passion and core values to a piece of advice she received from her earliest role model. Angela, walk tall and be strong. You are who you are. The simple wisdom of her parents, whose strength, confidence, and independence laid the groundwork for her entrepreneurial spirit, was directed towards a young woman full of doubts. However, like all good advice, it expresses a universal message of hope faith, and commitment to presenting your best possible self to the world. Angela loves helping entrepreneurs because she is one. Her vast experience ranges from the cattle industry to the fashion and health and wellness industries and beyond. There really isn't an area of business where she hasn't achieved success, both as a business owner and as a mentor and coach. Angela's unique insight has allowed her to assume a critical leadership position for governments and communities seeking effective economic and disaster recovery guidelines, as evidenced by her integral role in the aftermath of 2013 High River floods and the 2016 Fort McMurray wildfires, as well as the success of the ongoing recoveries of both communities. Angela's passion and drive has helped countless businesses, organizations, and individuals to meet their challenges head-on and emerge more confident, disciplined, and stronger than ever before. Welcome to the show, Angela. Well, thank you. I am so excited to be here today. As soon as I got an email that Mary would like to talk, the schedule was wiped. (laughs) I I love the way our paths cross and connect. Because we first met 
when we ran a community project together from across the country. And then we met in person for the first time a year later when we co-presented that initiative at the Alberta Economic Development Conference. I, I, I think technology really has enabled opportunities in rural communities. Well, isn't it true? Because the, we had a business relationship and a great business deal uh, and we'd never met. We were ahead of our times with, with uh, knowing what was going ahead of us with COVID. And it also showed the importance of why infrastructure like uh, broadband and, and all the different things are needed in rural because uh, little, you know, you and I were preaching it and that's why we were doing programs like that to get that going. And then look what came ahead of us how many years later. So, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, I'm, gl I'm gl actually glad that we didn't know what was coming ahead of us, but uh, we were we were definitely laying the groundwork. So that I I am so excited to be able to talk to you today. So yeah, I, the, the one thing I wanted to find is the word successful in every way, uh, or uh, everything she's achieved. You know, that's a pretty bold statement to say, and I want to back it up is because of the many mistakes I've made. Um, you, you can only grow. So as an entrepreneur, the reason I claim I'm successful is because I've made so many expensive mistakes, mental mistakes, physical mistakes in, in entrepreneurship that I get to pay it forward. And I've turned them all into positives. So uh, that I just wanted to find that one statement. <laughs> no, you, you're, you're being very modest, Angela. Um, I think that you could stand by that statement. And you, uh, you have done so much for so many people. And, um, and I know that I know it's been painful. That's, that's part of that journey. And that's, that's a, that's that raw part of, of what you bring to the table all the time. And that's, that's why people are attracted to you. So um, let's, let's jump right into what is your rural story? My rural story. So um, the rural story of entrepreneurship, how I got going in entrepreneurship, your, your rural story, whatever, like, whatever it is that you want to tell us about why you're living in rural uh, quality of life. Absolutely. So um, why do I choose to be an entrepreneur in rural communities is uh, the, my passion. I, if there's some way to put that on my gravesite, Mary, please do. <laughs> there because I just did an interview actually for um, the Calgary Herald out here and they were asking what is the difference between rural business communities and urban business communities. And uh, you know, naturally we would say density, but the word is community. You will see in an urban setting, different types of communities all in an urban setting. Uh, they'll have different demographics, different names of the communities uh, they are. And then you'll see also the, the way um, urban areas are set up is through their zoning way they claim that that's industrial and that's the recreational area or that's the arts area or it becomes the um, the industry decides it in rural communities it's all together it's my favorite thing because it uh the business owners are they're part of the vitality of a community and they're not just a business owner making money or, or going to work. They are really part of something. And the citizens in a rural community also see that and they respect it and they enjoy it. So um, you don't have a lot of um, tourisms or you don't have a lot of different things to do sometimes in a rural community, like if we're talking the smaller size. So you get to make your social uh, part of being part of the business community events that they put on or whatever the downtown's events or something like that. So there's always a tie between the citizens and the, the the business community that's my favorite thing about rural it is all connected all connected all yeah. connected and all about the people I love that yeah. 
Um, take us on your entrepreneurial journey and the launch of Emerge Agency. Okay, so um, I noted it down here because I'm old now and I need glasses. <laughs> so I was like, usually I rattle that off because I just have a couple things, but um, this time I had to write it down. So th- I, it was a great question because when did entrepreneurship land in me? And um, I, I would say right from the get-go uh, of growing up because I just always wanted to do things differently. And, and my mom's, if she was listening, she'd say she's stubborn. So she's stubborn and she always wanted to do things Angela's way, but I, I'm going to word it nicely that that was entrepreneurship in me, that my way was better. <laughs> I wasn't a good employee. I wasn't a good student. I wasn't, probably wasn't a good sibling, all those kinds of things, because I just had my own world. So it started out, um, you know, I'm very passionate about women entrepreneurship too, and, and we have leaps and bounds have uh, moved into that. But it was a one woman that believed in me in a very hard time in my life um, and sent me off to some training to, it was Lou Tice. I don't know if anybody knows that it was a Lou Tice institution back then about that positive affirmation stuff. And that lit a fire in me. So from there, I went off to follow my passion sewing <laughs> to be a designer at the time. Um, and I went off to Olds College and I was probably four months behind a sewing machine and thought there's no way this six foot tall girl's going to sit behind a sewing machine for, the for life in one spot. So that spirit inside of me of believing in yourself um, is what led, let me down, led me down the road of entrepreneurship because um, so I like this and I want to go down this road, but I don't like the resource that I have to do this lightning work. So I have to create it differently. So many, many businesses from that because um, the word entrepreneur or the word opportunity is something I see all the time. And and natural entrepreneurs see opportunities all the time. And uh, sometimes they have parent goggles on. (laughs) They think that their idea is the best and they think that, um, they uh, will make money and they'll quit their job and they'll take all these risks and stuff. And, and I did it all. I've made all those mistakes and done all that kind of stuff. So that's why I decided to become a business coach and pay forward. So I went from opening up a day spa in High River, Alberta was my very first business. Uh, won some awards on that as being very the unique and different one. Um, it's my favorite story of uh, how it is so important to tie to social responsibility So donating to the Calgary Stampede Trio ladies who love their hair done and nine out of times, nine out of 10 times they're blonde. So (laughs) they used our services a lot, uh, was huge marketing for us, huge. So um, that was an eye, that's not something you learn in textbooks, right? Like that's where you get street smarts um, and who's in your backyard and who does it associate with? So we went from that to... um, I married a cowboy, a farmer, a rancher, and uh, we were uh, along the Bow River cattle ranching and farming out there. And when BSE hit, the mad cow disease hit, and the droughts hit, we, I started to learn what the word uh, economy and disaster recovery was. And we had to really pivot, especially when it's a generation farm like that, that you don't want to be the one that dies on right, that generation. And that is when the personal coaching started to really create in me because I was sitting down by the river one day. And three young kids owned a couple of businesses off on the side here in BC and franchises. And uh, what are we going to do? What, what, it's one of my favorite programs that the government did back then was uh, you know, give, give tools to the entrepreneur um, instead of just be- giving them a grant. 
just giving them money, give them tools to survive. Right. So when they supported farmers to go back and get a secondary education, but you had to keep the ranch going or the farm operations going, but you go reskill yourself so that you can have a diversification um, employment to bring revenue in. It was brilliant. And a lot of people took advantage of it. It saved us. But I was sitting by the river one day and uh, this is one of the top 10 rivers uh, for fly fishing in Canada. And uh, the, People were going by all the time uh, on these boats. And I may have had a beer beside me <laughs> when I was sitting there. <laughs> and I can't believe how many times I got asked if I had any cold ones for sale. And uh, some, you know, just friendly conversations. And then what are you eating? Can I have something to eat? You know, I was like, just leave me alone. I'm meditating. I'm trying to figure out how to put food on the table tomorrow night, like really a little broke without fishing. <laughs> and then it dawned on me, the opportunity was right in front of me supply and demand. It's what I learned in business school, supply and demand. When there's a demand, supply it. So I was looking at, we've got people going down the river here and it is nonstop. So they need stuff and we have access to stuff, give it to them. And that's what we did. So we started to open up a tourism fly fishing business and you know, my business skills went into place and uh, my father built a cabin down there and you do everything free. You do everything as cheap as you can. We sold, we gave away half a beef for the lumber from the mills to build the cabin and everybody did sweat equity to put it in. And uh, it's still lucrative. The family, um, it's uh, there's siblings involved now. Um, and they're running it just on a real small scale for themselves. But at the time, it, it brought some cash flow to keep us going. So that's what made me realize to never give up. And that's what made me realize when these disasters are coming on to you from an economy side that entrepreneurs need to get in the game and not be dependent yeah. of you know, using people as a scapegoat. So from there, I bought um, franchises uh, when they came into Canada because you get on the hot trend and different things like that. And um, I really enjoyed coaching, business coaching led to personal coaching. And because of the entrepreneur, it always comes down to you as the person contributing to your business. So I realized I was not serving as best as I could when I was business coaching, just straight math, straight business plans, straight templates. So that led me into opening up my own business. I was working for Community Futures at the time. And again, I'm not a good employee. <laughs> do well <laughs> nine to five Monday to Friday and I could do way better so uh, then that's when the floods happened 2013 southern Alberta floods and uh, that consulting business took off from there I seen some very terrible things uh, in that span of my life uh, with uh, recovery of a community of an economy of humans and uh, so I really stepped up the, the personal coaching training at the time for that and unfortunately I've not stopped in that uh, line of work because yeah. uh, these disasters just man-made or natural. But I, I have bought into another company uh, right now because seizing opportunity, I'm proud owner of an environmental company that I work with a great team. Um, I was given the opportunity. So you know, when I came in, I didn't even recycle. <laughs> wow. It's What's the, the name of that one, Angela? Tell us about that one. Just give us the name and the information. Uh, Seagen so Environmental. So this is a... Um, my favorite part of this story is that the, it, the idea and the ideology is uh, from the back of a napkin. Uh, these guys have been together for, you know, friends for years. And the CEO is, is his name is Steve Morgan. And he, he really, I didn't invest in the company. I kind of just knew him from the side. And it, he's my Steve Jobs. 
you know, this mm -hmm. guy is like, um, you've heard me once before say entrepreneurship on steroids. And that was in Fort McMurray. And I met one of the drivers and it was the CEO <laughs> and it was from doing some BRE work in the town of Okotoks or as the manager. And uh, there was an opportunity and I jumped on it because this is the future. Uh, green is the new green this is the new statement he came up with the other day. And it literally is, you know, the infrastructure is needing in communities. Um, we're building green data centers. We're bringing, um, we can almost get to carbon neutral. Uh, my passion for entrepreneurship is that we they need this infrastructure to stay sustainable and uh, competitive. So the lower the cost can be um, as a steward of the land, a bit of a country girl, uh, it's important to me that we are always making an environmental footprint. So the fact that we can use our fossil fuels, the fact that we can bring power um, that's off the grid, empowering infrastructure that's needed for rural business communities because mm -hmm. it's micro modular data centers. So we're small, the edge community, the latencies. I knew and I jumped on board. So I'm proud as the president for the micro modular data center. And um, yeah, we're having a lot of fun back in startup. I sleep about three, four hours a night, <laughs> the nerves. So to those entrepreneurs listening, I get it. I'm living it right now. And, and I love that you are like the, the consummate opportunity identifier all the way through your story. Like you were able to, you were able to identify an opportunity yeah. And then you did something about it immediately. And the whole sweat equity piece from the beginning has been a consistent story that I'm hearing with all the interviews that I'm doing. Yeah. It is a really, really important part of that early journey. And you you articulated all of that beautifully, that your your story really speaks to what entrepreneurship really is. So it's it's exciting watching your journey. I mean, you you've got like, I don't know how many more startups in you. <laughs> yeah, right. You probably well, have a book full of them. It's taken a toll. <laughs> yeah, so that's where Emerge Agency came from, right? All those lessons, all those things is how do I pay it forward? And I just needed to create that. There was a lot of times that I would partner with other companies and stuff or other consultants and um, love what they do. And I really believe in uh, don't like work together is smarter, not harder. Um, but I needed to have that standalone to tell that story because it takes sweat equity and it takes positive mindset. It, yeah. You have to keep going and you have to see the entrepreneurship, the, the opportunities in entrepreneurship. And you talked about entrepreneurship on steroids. And I'm, I'm just going to, I'm glad that I pulled this quote out because during a webinar a couple of years ago, you said something that I have quoted many times from you. You said, I watch communities connect and grow and become very vibrant, almost like entrepreneurship on steroids. Mm -hmm. Why does it take a disaster to do that? Right. I want to learn and I want to share what they are doing in a time of emergency. And let's activate that now. And your website talks about disaster and uncertainty as an opportunity for growth and self-discovery. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so Fort McMurray. The, this is a community that is known across Canada as a um, community that is contributes to the world. They really like they really do contribute to the world, but mostly the economic impact they provide Canada um, is huge. And um, what was that uh, speaker? He's very opinionated. He they brought him up there. Oh, do you remember who it was that? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. But anyways, he was great because he really everybody uh, likes to tell a dirty story around oil and uh, Rex, Rex, 
Murphy. Is that right? Oh, okay. Yep. 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 Anyways, he come up and he was like, you know, he told the story of Fort McMurray and like, let's all, um, let's all just say thank you. <laughs> to what they do. So to be able to serve up in their community for disaster recovery was a gift to me. And I went above and beyond working for that group because uh, uh, it broke my heart what, what happened to them and being rural community. They had two disasters because the oil industry had crashed. So everything, they were, that's why you say diversified all the time. That's why you have many revenue streams because when one goes, what are you going to do? And they were maybe a little dependent on the oil industry too much because then when it crashed and then they have a fire like that, that wipes out just, it's incredible. So there was no victim mode. You go up there and usually when you work in a disaster recovery situation, you really, um, are there with empathy and compassion for what these people are going through. So we're trained to, to do that and ask the right questions and surveys and different things to get out what you need. The BRE work mm -hmm. um, through economic development is, um, but you did not have to do that in Fort McMurray. <laughs> these guys, because they're so isolated, they, they own it. They own what they need to do. And they owned that there are no other jobs. So if I don't make this, like I can't, they're so far from another part of community where they could get a job that um, it's do or die for them. So they had that mentality all the time. Mm -hmm. And they taught me lots of lessons that I paid for, um, lots of examples of ways that they diversified in disaster. But the ecosystem that they had built up there, I had never seen. And it was like, they didn't have to create it when the disaster happened, the reason they were able to recover and do so well was because they already had that ecosystem. And that's what made me want to pay forward to these business stakeholders that receive grant money and um, are able to contribute. Are you really contributing? Because I've just seen the best. And I know I can see what it takes for these. And when they go through a disaster, that ecosystem gets tested and um, they won. They, they helped. They made a difference. And it's about building that ecosystem before it's needed. Before. It's yeah. why you go to marital counseling before you get in a fight. <laughs> all these things that all these things we don't do. <laughs> and that that's a message that that's, you know, I've I've tried to talk about, but you you understand it intimately because you've done all of that work with with communities that have experienced emergencies. And now we're all in emergency management, right? Yeah. Everybody's in emergency yeah. management. Yeah. And so anything that we can learn from people who have gone through it and have seen it and understand, you know, what's needed to get through to the other side, it's a, it's a really, really valuable service that you're providing. So I'm, I'm going to keep picking your brain. I'm going to ask you the next question. We often hear founders discuss risk management plans as a way to strategically mitigate risks, but risks can be incredibly difficult to anticipate during a natural disaster or a global pandemic. What can entrepreneurs do to prepare for a disaster? To prepare for a disaster, mm -hmm. I want you to spend time in your business and, and play the scenarios. And the way we define an economic disaster is when there's a fluctuation in the revenue, when there's a fluctuation in the cash flow that's happening. So play, play in that space. The intimate part of what I want to pay forward is um, I see so many business continuity plans, so many templates, there's, and, and they're very, 
they're copy paste because it's very simple, you know, to, to do that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know why the government just keeps funding it every time a disaster happens because there's so many out there, just copy paste and put your own logo on them. That's true. But I want to speak to the entrepreneur is um, I want you to do a business pulse check on yourself first. I want you to ask yourself if a disaster happens here, like literally here is my capacity physically and mentally right now. I want you to do that first because I've been on the ground and I've been there. And if you don't do it, it's going to creep up the next one. So the templates that everybody gets ready, that's step two for me, because if you're not mentally and physically ready to execute your business continuity plan, no matter how great it is, it's going to fail. Because uh, you're going to fall, you're going to fall apart, or you're going to be a terrible leader, and your staff are going to quit on you, or they're going to move, or you're going to lose some of your suppliers, like there's, there's lots of things that will happen, and it'll affect your personal life, don't, don't your friendships, your and I have examples of this, I'm, I'm living it. So please hear me on that personal business pulse check, ask, so if a disaster happens, what are my limits? I, I see startup people. I was just having a conversation with their CEO this morning. I swear that this team of these partners, I, I think they're putting in 12, 14 hour days right now. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do those roads anymore. Um, so, but now imagine if a disaster happens on top of that, what's left, what's left that they can put into the bucket if they're in startup. So to our audience today, you're in startup phase. Make sure that you do that check with yourself that, do I have what it takes to keep going? And it's just as successful to close the doors as it is to stay open. And I really want to emphasize that because the worst disaster for me is disaster number two, is the debt. Everybody is giving away money accessibly. It's easy. It's easy for government to say, here's a loan, interest-free, here's this, here's that. I have been on the other side, working in this space for 10 years, sitting with entrepreneurs, crying across the table because they have borrowed way too much money. And now they have to pay it back. And, the, and it's government money. So it's garnish your wages. It's not walking away. It's yeah. not like you and, and your banks and the things that you've put up for equity, all because you thought that your customer base, your revenue base was going to stay the same. Yeah. But there's new shopping patterns that are formed. There's new ways, there's competition, all these things that happen. That's the importance of the business continuity plan. So knowing what I know, and I've seen it, that business pulse check is, I'm going to use an example. I worked with a lady in High River, and uh, she gave a great testimonial on my website there, if you want to go to it. And uh, startup, flood happens. Unbelievably how she is so affected but resiliency, passion, investors, everybody, you know, her family, her friends, her banks, investors, everyone's behind her. No way she's given up. And the pandemic hits and she calls me up um, probably about on month four of it. And she says, I don't know what to do. And I could feel it in her. I knew this girl's got it and she can take it, but I could feel the heaviness on her. So we did the business pulse check of her, the first one, her mental and her physical well-being, And she closed the doors. She's making just as much money as she was because she accepted what's her space that she could work in. And she just adapted the business model to that back in startup, back in her garage. She's a gym owner. She's an Olympian. Like there's talk about motivation and discipline and everything. She's got it all, but she's back into quality of life. 
and she'll fly. She'll get going again. She'll get back there, but um, yeah. she didn't I, have it in her to do it again. I completely agree. And I think that it's really, it's critical as we're building back that we protect our entrepreneurs. It's not the businesses. It's the entrepreneurs that we need That's to right. protect because they're the ones that are going to help us build back. And it's their mental That's health right. and it's their, their ability to want to take risks again and, and start things. And, and we, we can't lose that. It, this is this that's is a really critical right. time for that. So I, I I think that that's so important. And when you're talking about that that pulse check, I'm wondering because now we all share that same disaster experience. How mm -hmm. does how does a retrospective look in your business? Like, is it something that you take people through and say, okay, you survived this one. This is maybe yeah. your first and you know only disaster you'll ever go through, but it may not be. Mm -hmm. You survived it. Now let's look at how to prevent, you know, something worse from happening down the road. Do you do a retrospective kind of look with people who have gone through disaster? Yeah, and that that that's the uh, gift I've been given through. I can, I always say like, okay, God, that's enough. <laughs> you can stop. <laughs> it only makes you stronger. My God, I could lift cars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that is the gift I think I've been given is that I know what they've gone through and I man-made disaster, natural disaster, small, you know, diversification, competition comes in, whatever. So I get to have that real conversation. It's real and it's raw. And I think that's why uh, I do lose some customers with it because I do have that little bit of country swear and twang in it. But, uh, um, <laughs> you probably I'm gain them too. Yeah, I'm beside you. I pretend yeah. it's my money. And I'm with you in it. And so I, I get to say, what if, what if, and I get to throw it and test and I watch your body and I watch your body language. And that's where that personal coaching comes in and, and can they handle it? And then you start asking, I, I, the sooner we get at a surface conversation and get into deeper conversation, the more results we can get. And that is where my... Um, fear to faith and on the fly. That's my personal coaching model. I'm writing a book on it right say now. Say it again. From fear to faith on the fly. And it, it came to me years and years and years ago. And I know why now, <laughs> as I was supposed to have, but it saved my life. It saved so many things with that mindset. I'm, I'm not a heavy religious person. So the word faith is within. Every one of you as entrepreneurs, you all have the skill set and the passion and you know inside. Nobody knows your business better than you. When you hire coaches, coaches will work beside you to bring that out. When you hire consultants, the consultants do the work for you, but you still drive the ship. So right now what's happening with the pandemic is we need to get you back in the driver's seat. We need to get you because all the policies and all the regulations and everything that's coming down is you feel like a puppet. You yeah. just feel like you're being told what to do and, and don't get into victim mode about that. Don't uh, you, you can get back on the driver's seat in your own way. If you see opportunity and if you can mentally physically do the work, but yeah, that, that's what we move you through. Um, I have a slide deck that I do it. Uh, I did some work for the government where I provided the business pulse check slide deck. Um, and I also, so if there's any organizations out there, you know, I love to pay things for it. And if you can't afford it, I don't care. I do it for free because this is what this world's about. And, um, you know, what's, what's half an hour of my time. So we do the business pulse check when we do dis opportunities in, in every disaster. The goal for me is to feel this contagious energy hmm. from somebody who has been there and yeah. experienced it to say, keep going, 
whatever way that looks and you know within. So take the fear out of your head, get in with the yourself, in with your business, why you started it and get to success and fly. It's like get real, get to work and get results is kind of the language I use on the business side. I, I love and I love the way that you speak about it because you you get right to the heart of the matter with people and you know you make yourself vulnerable. And one of the things that I love the most about you, Angela, is how you can take your lived experiences, especially the most painful ones and the ones that people tend to hide from, and you turn them into opportunities for education. Yes. So you, and I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to ask you a question, and I did get permission from you beforehand. You recently had COVID-19. Yes. Can you tell us about that experience and if it has changed the way that you see and approach your work as a disaster recovery consultant? Oh, 100%. It has changed my way. So if one person can hear this story and um, change the way they look at the pandemic and turn it to do the best they can with the situation, I've done my job. I like to tell my girlfriends I'm a prophet, but they make a lot of fun of me on that one. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm going to be really vulnerable. And, and I was a um, COVID fence sitter. That's, that's kind of what I titled myself as. So um, all the fear mongering that was as a, on, from a professional side, I was right up against that government. Like, what are you doing? This fear mongering, these restrictions, all this kind of stuff. Oh my God. And it was heavy. It was so heavy that I mentally health crashed and I quit a contract. I was had a great contract here uh, doing what I love to do. And um, I actually reached out to you, Mary, and, and you were that again, talk therapy, everybody keep talking. Um, I, I, it was the PTS of the disaster that was coming forward for me that I just knew this is not going to be good. So as now I'm going to talk to you as a citizen and as a mother and as a friend, that I didn't take it very serious of the restrictions because I had a lens inside of me of um, we need to keep this economy going. We need to keep these business owners going, especially from a rural economy side, because the vitality of a community is based on the businesses. Like the, uh, if you look around at any recreational center um, or hospice or hospital, look at those business names that are on the walls because those are the ones that um, you reach out to when you need things for your non-for-profits or for your kids' groups or your your, uh, musicals, anything. So if we lose them, what happens to the vitality of a community? So I was a little angry. And my scapegoat was COVID. um, I'll do do what's mandated. And um, that got me away with it for a little while, and then I got it. And um, I impacted over 30 people because I didn't take the restrictions um, that a lot of these doctors and sciences are putting in place and saying, um, I didn't follow them. So when I wasn't feeling well, I still went to work or I, you know, I actually, I didn't go to work. I was working from home, fortunately at the time, again, see why the restrictions are there because this tough cowgirl attitude, unless it's broken or bleeding, you go to work. It's the same as my kids go to school um, because the government mandates are in there. I couldn't. I couldn't do those things, but the ones that I could uh, have a little bit of slippage on, I did. 
And it was awful. It was one of the most humbling experiences for me to have to make those phone calls to those people to mm -hmm. say that um, I, I have it and I'm sorry I impacted. I'm sorry your kids were in my car. I'm sorry that um, I was asked, I went to your house that day and now your senior parents are exposed to it. And one of them is very ill. One of them had no benefits. Um, and I don't, I gave them money. I felt so bad because these people that are now on restrictions and doing all these things, you know, they, I'm infecting food on the table for them. If I just would have followed the rules, if I just would have done what was told out there. Mm -hmm. So seeing your own children sick is, and then the mental health side of it and all that kind of stuff. So I changed, I changed my um, opinion of the restrictions that are in place from a professional side. I changed it because if these are the regulations and policy, whether they are right or wrong, whether you believe in them or not, they're in place. And to get the economy and get our country back open, we have to do it. So I don't, I want to honor everybody's opinion, but what I do want is my mental health back and my kids and my families and my friends in these rural communities, they got to get back going alive again. So if I need to do my part of what these regulations are there to get 70% of the country vaccinated or uh, ICU units, whatever the math is, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to respect the people that don't want to for their reasons, uh, because of freedom of speech, you know, we live in a great country for that. But if, if you're on a fence sitter like me, I'm being vulnerable and sharing my story to have you consider that don't look at it about you. Don't look at the decisions you're making about COVID, about you. Change the lens on about everybody in your backyard, hmm. about how it's affecting everybody else. And if it's not too much to ask, I mean, it's not too much to do it, to just do it. Let's just get this done with. Let's just get it back up and going. That would have been so hard for you. Yeah. Sorry, the last part. Well, the last part was the mental health crash from me is that um, that's why when my doctor was beside me uh, through it all, um, you don't have to be diagnosed with a disease. Like you don't have to be diagnosed with mental health. If you have any, especially you entrepreneurs out there, if you have any traits of you're just off, if you're just not feeling well, I am begging you to please call somebody. There are so many 1-800 numbers out there. Just get in the system, get some help for yourself. I know as entrepreneurs, you um, do not have access to benefits and different things. Put that out there to that ecosystem. It was put out here. I'm very proud to say Headstrong. Everybody go look at Headstrong. You know, we're talking to Canada here. This is a non-for-profit organization that somebody off of the ecosystem put together and lobbied the government and got donations and everything. These people work 24-7 to provide resources to entrepreneurs because there's always been a gap there. So learn from that. They're a beautiful group and go to your business community and get it paid forward, get it created. Because the mental health side, it took me a while to come back. I don't have a choice. I don't get to have time off. I don't get paid to stay at home. That's why I'm the audience we're speaking to. The sooner you get help for yourself mentally, the sooner you can get back in the saddle. That is such a critical piece of this whole puzzle, especially when we're dealing with any kind of an emergency. Everybody, everybody's dealing with mental health issues right now. And you're right, entrepreneurs are not necessarily going to spend the time that they need to, to really look at okay. dealing with it. They can't, they don't have the time and the capacity. So we need, as you want to talk about that ecosystem right now, I, I have such a different lens over the pandemic right now. I don't even know what the virus is or care about it. I care about the well-being of humans. Yeah. Humans have never been cap 
captivated like this, the restrictions that are on, knowing what an entrepreneur needs to take and that 80% of our economy is based on SMEs. That is why you and I are so yeah. passionate. That is why I do stuff for free because we've got to circle around these people and say, we're in it with you. Yeah. It's not health against business. I'm so tired of that. I keep saying that. And I, and I, the biggest thing the ecosystems can do right now is explain the why. And don't dictate and don't say this is what you need to do, but explain the why, the bigger picture, and get everybody in it together. And thank you for sharing that that really personal experience, because I think that it's going to make a really big difference to people who might be sitting on the fence and who might who might feel like they are, you know, they're tough enough to survive it. And I, I think that your your story is really, really important. So thank you so much for sharing that. I know you've given us so many pieces of information that we can take away and use um, immediately, but what do you want the audience to take away from this conversation? Oh, wow. What do I want? I want self-care. So number one is just for every entrepreneur out there that is watching this, please self-care first. I have been serving in disaster recovery for over 10 years and I have seen heart attacks, suicides, domestic abuse, substance abuse, I've seen personality change, um, everything. So I've seen friendships wrecked. I've seen marriages fall apart, lots of stuff. So the biggest message is to really take that self check. Do you have what it takes? Are you doing okay? It's okay to close. It's okay to merge. It's, it's get real about it. Get out of the fear, get out of that fear base and get in within yourself and trust in yourself and believe in yourself and find another path. There's always opportunities and, and I will pull me and I'll tell you about it. But I, um, the, the one thing that I want to leave with entrepreneurs right now is to something in economic, I'm trained in economic development. And that's where Mary and I have also a connection is uh, we do a program called business retention and expansion. And I'm president of business retention and expansion international because I'm so passionate about this, this work. The best part about it is uh, you find out who are your business owners in your backyard and you find out what they need. So when does it, what they need to survive, like that's where the ecosystem comes together. And uh, we talk to the different industries and we say, what do you need? And then hopefully we serve. <laughs> the stakeholders sometimes forget that their job is to serve the entrepreneur mm. and not their board and not their boss. I really want to get that clear. And you as entrepreneurs, it's your tax dollars that they're using to to um, serve you. So be a voice, be a voice and make sure you're getting what you need. But take that lens and apply it to your business right now. Do you know who your customer is? Do Does your customer love you? Because there's as shopping patterns change, easy and adaptability is what will take over. There's an opportunity to still pull heartstrings here, but you don't say shop local. I can't, I like, if you want to reach out right now to your business, to your business stakeholders that are serving you, don't put a, just a shop local program together. Put the why behind to shop local. Tell the story. So if you are a business owner right now, I want you to sit down and the next, if you're in startup or if you're in the last five years and write down everything you've given back into a business community, into your community or donated or done. I want you to go brag and tell that story and say, I need you now so that I can be there for when you need me. Now we're pulling the heartstrings and now people will shop local. The job of the stakeholders is to make it easy. Their job is to promote where and how to get access to you. 
The, so that's just tactics. That's just communication. The marketing of the story of why we need these business owners to stay going, um, that's on you as an entrepreneur to get out there. And then that's on the stakeholders to, to do whoever gets the money and the mandate to do that. So reach out to your customers, ask them what they need, ask them what it takes to keep them as a customer. Just don't think it's a good idea to go create a new product and service. Make sure you vet it through because in disaster recovery, they're gonna give you a whole bunch of money and say, keep going and your customers may have changed. And if you don't adapt, you'll die in it. That's, that's what I wanna to leave to them. Such good advice, so much, so much valuable advice there, Angela. How do we access you? How does the how does the listener access your services or get in touch with you? Um, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of follow up from this. Yeah, great. Um, so their Emerge Agency, uh, www.emergeagency.ca is my website. So you can contact me all through that. Facebook, I'm on um, the through Twitter and different things, but all my contact information is on my, on my website. So please don't let money be in the way because um, this is, I, I just want to pay for it and make a difference somehow if we can. Um, yes, I'm an entrepreneur and I like to make money. So um, <laughs> that's not a question, but not that time will come. That time will come and karma will come down the road. And uh, so please don't hesitate even just to have that conversation if um, with me. I've been there, I've done it. That's why I'm successful is because I've experienced it all and I want to pay it forward. And she means that. She, I, I can vouch for her. She absolutely means what she's saying. Um, so do reach out to her. So I want to thank my friend for taking the time today to do this interview. And thank you, Angela, for all of the important work that you continue to do in rural communities because we need you. And thank you for being there for everybody. So keep doing well, what you're doing. Yes. I love it. So it's not work. That's the difference. Uh, That's I perfect. Love it. It's my life. Uh, but Mary, I want to pay it forward to you as well, because um, there's well, as soon as I met you and I knew when people are aligned with the same outcomes, that's who you do business with. That's your tribe. That's what connects you. We will be partners in this crime for life. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you for all that you do as well. Your rural programs that you bring in, everybody out there, Get Mary to come speak and, and get motivated to this com business community because you've got some neat programs. Startup Canada, they're so lucky that they got you uh, uh, hosting these. So, um, well, we're we're all we're all doing that we're all doing that that work, and we are all serving the same the same community. So it's it's all cumulative. Everything that we're doing is going to add value. So thank you so much together. for that, Angela. And uh, I can't wait until the next thing we do together. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs>Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. To learn more about rural entrepreneurship and to plug into the Startup Canada network, visit www.startupcan.ca or www.ruralonpurpose.com. Until next time, I'm Mary Doyle. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the full potential of women.